our leader tonight is Beth. Thank you. Um, get into the <clears throat> different screen. Um, thank you. I'm Beth. I'm a compulsive overeater, and um, it's really a. Um, it's interesting because I I'm the speaker getter for a meeting, a Zoom meeting here. I live in Pennsylvania. And when I ask people to speak and they go, oh, I don't know if I could speak on Zoom. I'm like, oh, we're on Zoom meetings all the time. What's the difference between speaking? Now I'm speaking. I'm like, oh, it's really different. <laughs> it, feels very, it's, um, it feels like a very different experience to be the speaker at a Zoom meeting as opposed to the speaker at a face-to-face -face meeting. So, um, and I'm more nervous than I would have thought that I was. So this is good. It gives me compassion for the people that I asked to speak. Um, what it was like, I, um, I'm the oldest of four kids and I found out, and I was um, kind of a normal birth weight, et cetera, but I pretty rapidly developed um, a weight, quote unquote, weight problem. And um, shortly after that, I became really aware. I, was, I became old enough to be aware that I had a weight problem. Um, I learned many, many, many years later that my parents, because I was the first kid and they didn't know, you know, any better, thought it was really cute to put me in my high chair and give me big quantities of food and just watch me eat. And at that time I was a regular sized kid. So they didn't realize that that was probably not, um, that was laying the foundation for something that became very unhealthy pretty quickly thereafter. Um, from the time that I can remember food was very important to me. And as soon as I became aware of the fact that I was bigger than a lot of other kids, then weight became very important to me too. Um, by the time I went to at least the first grade, I remember being really conscious of my weight. And by the second grade, I can tell you from second grade up, if there was another girl in my class that was my size or bigger, because that's how focused I was on my weight. Um, and the food, I don't remember when the food started driving me to the extent that it ultimately did, but I was pretty young. I remember going to doctors when I was young. Um, my mom would take me to the pediatrician for just a regular checkup or whatever. And I remember pediatricians handing me little diets, um, little brochures with diets. And I remember I could not have been more than 10 when a doctor handed me something and said, you know, it's gonna be a lot easier to get this weight off now while you're young. And I remember even at that age thinking, um, I can't do it now. So that's really terrifying to think that it's gonna be even harder later. The, I was a sneak eater, I was a night eater. Um, I would wake up in the morning, there'd be like leftovers in my bed. Um, it was, It was very lonely. It was lonely pretty early on. It became, um, I became more and more isolated and I became more and more self-conscious and I became more and more uh, lonely. And I have a, one of my brothers, the one that's um, a few years younger than me, he's the next one after me, has had as a child a really bad temper and it was really easy for him to, um, to get triggered and to act out with that bad temper and so I would run in my room and, and I'm the only girl, so I'm the only one that had my own room. So I would run in my room, I would take all the junk food I could get, run in my room and then 
be in my room stuffing my face and thinking, you know, I'll show him. Um, and if you had to live with, you know, with his brother, you would eat too. So it just spiraled and got worse and worse and worse. All the social awkwardness. We moved um, several times when I was a kid and um, that made it more difficult to feel like, I always felt like I didn't fit in. And then that just got exacerbated by the frequent moving and being the new kid and being different. So by the time I got to the sixth grade, that's the first time I remember I had a, we had a, a teacher that, um, was really cruel and she would pick on people for different things and there were a couple of us that she picked on for our weight so um, she would make people go down to the nurse's office and get weighed and then come back and tell the class how much we weighed which is mortifying probably for any child but certainly mortifying for a child that's overweight and self-conscious about our weight and so when I was in the um, sixth grade I weighed 184 pounds and that's like the one weight that I totally remember from because the I had this horrible teacher. Um, fast forward through high, uh, when I was in the eighth grade, this summer, it was the summer going into eighth grade, my grandfather, who was my favorite adult in my whole life, um, and still to this day of, you know, I'm a lot older now, but he's still one of, he's up there with the top two or three. And um, he died um, abruptly and unexpectedly. And I had, um, what I know now was some kind of spiritual awakening. Um, I don't really know because I can't really put into words what happened, but I got, for the first time that I could remember, um, I was able to follow a food plan. I was able to, um, food just took a different place in my life. That position of neutrality that we talk about in the program was was um it was like magic it really was it was a gift and i lost a lot of weight um and more importantly at that point well importantly at that point because i was a girl a teenage girl but looking back on it more importantly food just wasn't didn't have that um drive on me or that pull on me that it always had had before and that it had subsequently after that and i I remember um, when another adult, a few months into this, another adult said to me, I am so proud of you, you're doing so great. And I went and I ate something that I hadn't eaten, um, a substance that is a that I'm addicted to. I went and I ate it, I took one little bite and that was it. I didn't get abstinent again until I found this program. Um, and I could not stop. And so what happened to me because of that experience of, of having the food be off my back for that period of time, it was about two and a half months, it was the summer. Um, and from the experience of losing the weight for the first time, I spent, so I don't remember if I was going to the eighth grade or the ninth grade, but whatever that is, whatever age that is, I spent from then until I found this program thinking um, on a regular basis, I did it once, I'll do it again as soon as I make up my mind. And that was how I quote unquote dieted for many, many years is um, I would go on a diet, then I would decide to break the diet because I would think, well, I'll just get right back on like I did that one time back in the eighth grade. Well, needless to say, it never worked. Um, it never ever worked. And for those, there's not a, for those of you who are in the same generation as me, I don't know if you remember the little um, the diet candies that you're supposed to like put in your 
tea or something and then uh, they're supposed to take away your appetite well i would eat boxes of them you're supposed to have like one or two i don't remember before a meal and then you wouldn't be hungry so i would eat boxes of them so my solution was to put them in the freezer so that i would only eat, you know use them as needed so i broke a tooth eating them frozen and that's just one of many examples of the way that that food had a hold on me i mean i would go and buy junk food get to eat part of it get disgusted with myself throw it out and then go buy more and it was just the food became all-consuming for a lot of years, um, a lot of years. And and what happened for me with that is that I just became incredibly um, ashamed. And I, I thought there was something really wrong with me. And it turns out there is. It's just not what I th- It's not that I'm a bad person. It's that I have this disease called compulsive overeating and I'm addicted to certain substances. And once I start eating them, I can't stop. So... I tried every weight loss program. I didn't do the, whatever that pregnant cow shot thing was or whatever, but I tried all the different um, weight loss things that, that I thought might work and they didn't work. I would go to these weight loss things where you get weighed. I would not eat for a few days and I'd go weigh in. Then I'd go home and binge until you know the next time it was time to not eat for a few days. And then after a few weeks, I couldn't not eat anymore for a few days. So that I dropped out of that. Um, I fasted. I had a roommate in college where I fasted. People remember Tab, like that disgusting soda, diet soda Tab. Tab and sugarless bubble gum is all that um, we fasted with for three weeks, which is probably really not good for your insides. And um, and I almost collapsed. And But I remember through that whole three-week period, just craving green vegetables. And of course, when I broke the fast, it was not with green vegetables. Um, so those are like just sort of what it was like really is that I hated myself and that I blamed it on everybody else. I blamed everything that was unhappy in my life, which was pretty much everything on all the people around me. And um, so the way I ended up, I actually um, moved from New York to San Francisco because I thought when I was 21, because I thought that would change everything. I'd get away from all the people that were making me miserable. I get a fresh start in life and you know it's trite but true that I took myself with me and so it did not get better it only got worse um I somebody there used to be I I don't know if anybody from the Bay Area remembers this but there used to be a little publication called the People's Yellow Pages and I saw an ad about Overeaters Anonymous and the People's Yellow Pages, and also there were things in like Dear Abby and Ann Landers about it. And I read them and I thought, that's a place I can go if I get really, really desperate. Um, so six years later, I showed up. So when I got really, really desperate. Um, but it was really neat one time when I was sharing my story and somebody that I had gotten to know really well in a way said, I put that ad in the People's Yellow Pages and I never thought anybody ever saw it or did anything with it. And um, it was just neat to know that we plant these little seeds about the program and we never know where, how those may um, pay off for somebody later on down the line. So I'm forever grateful for the person that did that and for the people that helped to spread the awareness about the program. Um, I, as I said, for like, several years after I saw that ad and after I read things um, in Ann Landers and Dear Abby, to me, OA was always the place I could go if I got really, really desperate. And then I was in my laundromat and there was a pamphlet from another 12-step program. 
and it had the steps and it had, um, well, it had the steps. And I was gonna say, and it had the word God, but that's in the steps. So what happened to me, because by that time I, I was raised um, with a God when I was younger, but by that time I no longer believed in a God. Uh, I had made a lot of bargains um, on, my, on my end and they didn't work out so well. And um, so I saw the word God and I saw the fourth step and I saw the ninth step and it felt like a door closed um, because this program was where I was gonna come when I got really, really desperate. And then I saw the word God, which I didn't believe in. And it wasn't like a defiant kind of uh, the door closing. It was just like, oh, I can't do, like this isn't an option for me. Um, I don't believe in God. The part about the fourth and ninth step, that part was defiant because I knew there was no way I was gonna do a fourth. Well, the fourth step wasn't so bad, but the fifth step, and there was no way I was gonna do a ninth step. So for that last year, after I found that pamphlet and I found out that this is a step-based program and what that involves, um, that's a pretty, when there's no hope left, there was no hope left that this was where I could come when I got really desperate. And now I was getting more and more desperate and I didn't think there was any place to come. So how desperate I was, was that even though I was obese, I was, um, I lived right by Golden Gate Park and I had a dog. So I was jogging or walking every morning, um, even though it was difficult. And then I was swimming. There was a place downtown near where I worked with a pool and I was swimming a mile a day and I was gaining weight. It's really hard to swim a mile a day and jog or walk every day, substantial distances and gain weight, but that's how much I was eating. And there was a woman at the gym that I watched lose weight and the fact that I was even in, a, that tells you how desperate I was. I was obese and I was in a swimming pool in a bathing suit. So um, that's how desperate I was. And there was a woman that lost a lot of weight and I watched her and I said something to her, which was not normal for me to be outgoing like that. And she jumped on the opportunity to tell me about Overeaters Anonymous. I'm sure she was just waiting for that door to open. And thank God for that woman because she, um, she talked to me, I remember sitting there talking with her about it, and she talked to me in a way that nobody in any of those programs that I had ever gone to before had ever talked. I always thought that they just, those other people from all those other programs were different than me. And um, she talked about spontaneous eating and how having a food plan helped her not to have to act on spontaneous and compulsive eating and how there were certain substances that she was um, not able to eat um, in any kind of a portion, um, a limited portion, that there were certain things that triggered her to go on binges. It was it was like I had never known anybody else who ever ate, talked about eating or ate like I ate. And it was such a, um, it was great. So she told me where the newcomers meeting was on Monday nights and um, down on Van Ness. And I did not come running right in the door, but one night I got really desperate. And um, I actually called, there was a, an OA hotline and I called the hotline and um, they reminded me where that meeting was and I got really desperate and I went to my first meeting. Um, then I had this thing that suddenly I got, um, I found the serenity prayer and I thought, oh, if I say the serenity prayer and if this God that they're talking about is really that powerful, I can eat anything I want and God will stop like all the compulsion and craving. Well, needless to say, that did not work. So that was sometime in December, I think. 
1972. And then in 1973, I found out I had to have major surgery in January, which to me, I really thought I was going to die. And it was like the kick in the pants that I needed to just say, you know what, you can't keep trying, thinking you're going to start again on Monday because you don't know how much time you have left. And I was young at the time, but I really, having this major surgery was a wake up call for me that I didn't know how much time I was going to have left and I couldn't keep putting my life off. um, And I couldn't keep putting off pursuing, you know, a healthier way of living and getting the food off my back, thinking that any day now I was going to be able to start. And so I came back to, you know, I had gone to that first meeting and then now I was really desperate. And I came to my first real meeting um, in February of 1973. Thank God, um, no, not 1973, 1979, and 73 is when I moved to California in 1979. And thank God we had, and this is only for me, but we had two food plans plan A and plan B. And thank God um, for that, because I am not somebody that can figure out a food plan on my own. I tried that for many years before. I knew a lot about nutrition before I got to this program. Um, I got really desperate pretty quickly and I got a sponsor pretty quickly. I followed her in and out of the ladies room at the break and got up the nerve to ask her to be my sponsor. She believed in the big book um, of Alcoholics Anonymous. We didn't have our own hardcover literature at the time. So she had me read the book. I remember about three weeks into it, I was really upset about something and I called her and she told me she told me to look at what was affected in me. I thought she was gonna tell me, oh, you poor thing, I can't believe they did that to you. And she said, well, now I want you to look at what's affected in you. And she walked me through the whole process of how to do like a mini 10 step. And then we can talk about it. And I was kind of horrified and I put her on my resentment list because I thought she should be more compassionate. But I really feel like that kind of approach helped to save my life because I was so driven and I was such a reactor to how other people, to my perceptions of other people, how other people spoke to me or didn't speak to me or treated me or didn't treat me. And I don't have any control over any of that. And then uh, that was constantly either being, I either used that as an excuse to eat or it drove me to eat. Um, so it was a freedom to, to not have, to have a way up and out from that kind of reactive behavior. Um, she had me call her every night, which was great. I phoned him, I wrote down my food every night. I phoned it into her for the next day. Um, and I was given the gift and, and it was hard. It, it, for me, it was the abstinence was not like a pink cloud abstinence. Um, it was hard. I, I, <laughs> I threw a container of a sub of food that's on my food plan, but I threw a container of my lunch uh, across the wall, across the room, and hit a wall one time. I was so angry that I had to weigh this stuff, and I just it just doesn't seem right. And I just want to eat what I want to eat. And, but you know, I truly believe that if I picked up the food, the substances again, that I was was. might never get abstinent again. I still believe that. I'm very grateful that I've been fortunate enough. There's certain substances I haven't had to eat since that time. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. I can't imagine. um, I've been through two surgeries. I've been through more than two surgeries, but two major surgeries since that time with um, hip replacement where I've been home in the house alone for, you know, several weeks. 
I can't imagine for me to be able to be home in, in my house by myself and not have to go and eat off my food plan is a total miracle. And I can't imagine having to live through what we've lived through in the last few months with the shutdown um, with and without a food plan and without being able to be absent. I'm really grateful um, that I haven't had the food on my back through this time with all the other challenges that we've all That's had. So, yeah, it's really hard to summarize um, since all these years, in 40 plus years in a short period of time. But what I know for myself is that I've worked the steps repeatedly. I have a co-sponsor now that I work them with um, on an ongoing basis. I go through various, I've, I've gone through many different versions of a higher power. And I'm very grateful that I was taught from the beginning what I need is a higher power that stands between me and the refrigerator. And whatever else the higher power does or doesn't do for me um, is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that I need a higher power that stands between me and the first bite. Because that it's that first compulsive bite that's gonna get me and I know that. Um, so when I can't feel a connection to a higher power and I've been through a lot of you know, wonderful parts of life in this program. And I've been through a lot of challenges um, as well, just like anybody that, you know, is fortunate enough to to be here this long. And so the challenging parts, there, there have been a couple of times when I truly for months and months and months could not feel a connection to a higher power. And that's a scary place for somebody who needs a higher power to be. And I kept coming back over and over again during those times and I keep coming back now um, during those times to the fact that what I need is a God that stands between me and the first bite and whatever else it is, it is. For the first year I was in this program, my higher power was an older woman I used to see on the bus and she looked like somebody I'd like to grow up to be like. And I, I have no, she might've been a horrible person. I have no idea, but that's who I prayed to for a year and it worked. And today I, I have a different version, but it varies and um, what else do I want to say? Um, I'm a, I believe that service is really important. I believe that sharing with the newcomers is really important. It's so cool that you guys have this many people on a Zoom meeting. My home group here, we usually don't have more than eight people at the most, and, it, and we don't get a lot of new people, and it's great to see so many folks on the meeting. Thank you all for being here. So I know that the steps work. I know that if, for me, a food plan works. I need. I still need to write my food down. I need to weigh and measure my food. Um, I need to be accountable to another um, compulsive overeater member of OA about my food um, and about my behavior. And um, I, this is such a great thing for me to be able to do this because I start when with my little group here and the meetings are very different. You guys are very fortunate who live in the Bay Area. You have a lot of meetings and you have a lot of strong meetings. And I found out the hard way that a lot of other areas, we only have two or three meetings a week here and they're all very small. So um, I'm very grateful for the fellowship and I'm, I'm really grateful to see this many of you um, on the meeting and I appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you.